Hey guys, welcome this morning uh, to our online service here at the Ella Campus. My name is Pastor Aaron. If I haven't met you before, I really, really look forward to doing that. But thank you for joining us here on Easter Sunday. We are really excited to celebrate with you, even though it's going to look a little different this year. Hope you guys got a chance to take advantage of our online communion guide, everything else going on. Uh, But guys, so glad that you're here this morning. Want to let you know about a couple of things. First of all, is we still want to hear from you guys. We know we can't physically get together, but that connection card is actually still available on our app. You can fill it out online, and there's a lot of other ways to contact us as well through our website. Uh, You can find us on any social media. We have a YouTube page going on and everything else. Uh, But we really want to stay current with you guys as far as things coming out uh, and also any way that we can help you during this time. So we hope you guys are doing well. uh, And we're really excited to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus this morning. Uh, What a meaningful weekend we get to spend here uh, talking about something that's so impactful on our lives. So we hope you guys are with your family uh, celebrating this weekend. And we hope that uh, you can have a meaningful time this morning. We're going to start off with some music here together. Yeah. 
welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in today and a happy Easter to you. And I realize Easter is a little bit different for all of us this year, but I appreciate you giving your time and attention here this weekend. And uh, Easter is a massive holiday. And if you're a person of faith, uh, you know that. And that's uh, probably why you chose to tune in and be here with us today. If you're not, thanks for tuning in as well. And uh, we want to unpack some of why Easter is such a big deal for us who follow Jesus and uh, why that makes such a big difference in our lives. And I realize even before we jump into the conversation, uh, let me introduce myself. My name is Ryan. I'm campus pastor here at our Ellet campus. And, and I realize that you may be coming from a variety of different places today. Uh, some of us kind of approach this conversation and uh, we show up at Easter today and some of us grew up in church and uh, maybe we stay connected to our faith through the holidays and kind of revisit it every once in a while, maybe a couple times a year and just stay kind of loosely connected. And uh, it's a way to connect with family and kind of keep the conversation and our faith alive. I know for some of us, uh, we grew up in church and uh, that doesn't have a lot of fond memories with it, maybe. Uh, maybe it's something that was a part of our lives before and maybe is not really a big part of our lives anymore. Uh, some of us even have baggage. When we think about church and Easter and Christmas, uh, we were told maybe that following Jesus meant we had to behave a certain set of ways and uh, we kind of think of that as, as probably an antiquated way of thinking about faith. And we're not even sure what we think about it today. And uh, some of us, I realize that you're like me and uh, maybe you had no background whatsoever in faith. And that, that personally was my story. I had no faith background, didn't kind of grow up in church, didn't grow up in Sunday school. None of that stuff was a part of my story. And so kind of no matter where we come from, uh, when we approach the Easter story, part of what we want to recognize is that we come to the table from all kind of points of view, whether we're bringing baggage to the table, uh, whether it's kind of a tradition and a holiday in our lives, whether it brings hurt into the conversation, kind of revisits that, or some of us are just kind of a blank slate when it comes to showing up and having a conversation around Easter. Um, but Easter is probably the most critical, it's arguably the most important piece of the Christian faith. And I want to take some time and really unpack why that is. Like, why does it matter so much? And why would we make such a big deal about it? And I know for me, as somebody who has no religious background whatsoever, I kind of learned about my faith and discovered faith as a young adult. And for me, starting with a blank slate, it helped me a ton to try to get kind of an idea of what the big picture story is, right? If you can kind of like boil it down and just give me the cliff notes, how exactly did the story of Jesus' life play out? Like what, why, why is Easter such a big deal? How does it all work together? And, and can you kind of just boil that down for me? At least that's what I wanted. And no matter if you have a background in faith or not, I think this will be helpful. So if you just allow me maybe here in the next handful of minutes to kind of walk you through a bit of the story of Jesus. I want to just capture kind of his life. And uh, if that's brand new for you, that's great. If maybe your view of Jesus and the church is a little bit uh, warped or you, you don't have a great taste in your mouth from it, maybe it'll be a fresh start. And I just want to as if we know nothing and we're coming to the conversation from scratch, take a look at 
the life of Jesus and kind of understand why this is such a big deal for all of us. So here's kind of where it started. If you can track with me just for a handful of minutes on this, here's what happened. So uh, about 2,000 years ago, right, a, a pregnant girl shows up on this scene. We're told this in the Bible, and this is all this is kind of from the Bible. And this teenage girl about to be married to uh, her soon-to-be husband finds out she's pregnant. And, and there's some controversy all around it, right? She finds out she's pregnant. Uh, she's claiming that she is pregnant with the very son of God. The two decide to get married. They have this baby boy. And there's, there's an, kind of an aura of, of controversy and question. And, and, and what is going on here with this baby? And how did this all play out? Certainly in ancient Israel, where this was all taking place, that would have been the case. And that event, of course, that we know of is, is Christmas, right? And it all kind of starts with Christmas. And Jesus is born uh, he kind of is born as a, a fairly normal kid outside of that controversy. We don't know a ton about Jesus from the time that he's born until he's about 12 years old. So if you fast forward in the story of the life of Christ, he shows up again about 12 and he's dialoguing at this big massive festival. He's talking to some religious leaders and he's somehow able to talk on their level. Right, so people are starting to pay attention that there's something different about this kid, but mostly he's a normal kid, but he's sharp. He, he's, he's able and he understands spiritual things that are a little bit beyond what most of us would, would understand and, and keep track of. Fast forward again from 12 to 30, most of the life of Jesus is spent in, in pretty much a, just kind of a normal, quiet environment where he's going to be kind of a carpenter. He would have worked with both wood and stone as there's a, a lot of stone in Israel and not a lot of trees. So he would have worked with his hands and been a carpenter and worked with his father for some of that time. Then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up on the scene at age 30 and starts what we would call his public ministry. He shows up and he starts to do stuff that is absolutely mind-blowing. And as he begins this public ministry where he starts to serve a whole bunch of people, he is a teacher, he's what we call a rabbi, and he draws to himself a group of disciples, a group of followers. And this would have been totally norm normal in the ancient world. Rabbis would teach and they would have disciples. People kind of followed them around and learned their way of life and learned their teaching. Jesus was one of those. He begins this teaching ministry he begins to serve people, to heal people. He begins to do miraculous, amazing things. Uh, one time, right, he had uh, just a little bit of food, some bread and some fish, and he multiplied this little bit of food and fed 5,000 people at least. Right? Amazing, mind-blowing things are happening. And as all this is taking place, as Jesus is healing people who are sick, He's interacting and teaching. People are following him and these crowds are beginning to form all around Jesus. And his followers are watching this all take place and they're kind of surrounding his life. And Jesus's ministry is beginning to take off in this unbelievable and powerful way. Jesus, as, as the crowds start to develop more and more, Jesus begins to challenge and oppose, even from some of the beginning of his ministry, the religious leadership of the day, right? Kind of the current religious leaders in the current religious system, Jesus begins to challenge that and, and oppose it in some ways. And 
as his ministry starts to grow more and more, those religious leaders begin to be more and more jealous of Jesus as his kind of crowd is growing. And we could think maybe that their crowd is beginning to shrink. They're jealous, they're frustrated, they're offended by Jesus. And eventually what's going to happen is they're going to plot Jesus's death. They're going to set up a situation where Jesus is murdered, is essentially what the Bible says. One of Jesus' own followers, Judas, Judas Iscariot, is going to be a sellout. He basically sells Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver, and he sets up this scenario where uh, kind of a mob of of soldiers and these religious leaders eventually come to Jesus and they arrest him. And then Jesus is put on a secret trial where he has to give an account for what he has done and what he has taught and what he said. He's falsely accused. He's beaten. He's mocked. Right? He's made fun of. Eventually, after having a, a severe beating over the course of an evening, that all plays out and then he is condemned. Finally, he has to carry his cross part of the way up to this hill, he is crucified on this hill. Crucifixion is an ancient form of execution where someone was basically, they were bound onto a cross. They're putting nails in their wrists and in their feet and they would basically struggle on that cross until they lost their life. That's exactly what Jesus did, right? From, from kind of birth to death at a high level view, he shows up miraculously, serves, teaches, heals, right? In this last part of his life until it explodes in this moment where he's opposed by religious leaders and they, they sentence him ultimately to death. Now, I just want to pause here for a minute because if you're a thinking person and you're engaging the story of Jesus, certainly like I would have thought as I begin to learn about the, the story of Christ when I was learning about my faith, if the story ended here, if it was over right here and right now, when Jesus was crucified, then Jesus in his teaching, a guy that would have taught basically, he taught that he himself was God, uh, not just a neat guy, not just a teacher, not just a rabbi. He would have literally said, I, I am God, I'm the son of God. Right? God is my father. I'm connected to him in a unique and a specific way. I'm God himself. Jesus, when he shows up and starts to say, I am God, and then if he were crucified and the story ended there, we would all look back at his story back in history and say, man, what was that all about? Jesus, he showed up and made a big commotion and got a lot of people to follow him said he was God, made some amazing claims, put out some amazing teaching, but then, then his life ended tragically. What's the deal with Jesus? We would all look back and say, you know, essentially all he is is a, is a Jewish cult leader that died a tragic and kind of strange death. Here's the thing, and this is why Easter is so massive, the story does not end there. The story continues as Jesus is crucified. The Bible would tell us that while he was on the cross, it literally went dark for three hours, the hours between noon and three. 
And as he struggled on that cross and eventually he breathed his last breath, miraculous things happened. Uh, the veil of the, the temple was torn in two. There was earthquakes. There was all kinds of things that were playing out that were supernatural. Jesus is buried in a tomb, which basically we could think of as a cave. He was in that cave and he would be in that cave on what we would think of as the Sabbath, which is the day of rest for the Jewish people. And as he was in there on the Sabbath, he's, he's dead. His life is lost. His disciples would think certainly that all hope is lost. They put everything in to follow Jesus. They left their jobs. They, they suffered persecution. They were mocked for being connected to him. And it was all fine and good when Jesus was on the rise, but now he was on the down. He was decreasing. His life was lost. And now all hope seems lost. And on that Saturday, certainly the disciples would have felt that. Sabbath passes, Sunday morning shows up and Jesus is supposed to be in his tomb and a small group of women show up to anoint his body. This has been part of a Jewish ritual that would be done for the dead to honor them, dignify the body. As they show up at the tomb, this tomb was supposed to have been sealed and it was sealed with a large rock that was bigger than any human being could move themselves. There was a rumor, there was a, a teaching actually that, that Jesus would have put out where he said to his disciples and his followers, hey, I'm gonna die, uh, I'm gonna be buried, I'm gonna rise from the dead. And the Jewish leaders knew about that. And they had picked up on that. They had heard about that. And so they said, listen, we're, we're going to seal this tomb because we know his followers would have heard Jesus say, once I die, I'm going to rise from the dead again. I'm, I'm going to be resurrected. So seal that tomb so that nobody can get in there and steal the body of Christ and claim that he is truly the son of God. As those women showed up that morning, that stone was rolled away they go to look for the body of Jesus and they find this man, this what would appear to be a young man who was actually an angel. And what we find as they bump into this young man who was an angel is he says something to them that would be absolutely life-changing for all of us, although we don't know it at the time. What they run into here in Mark chapter 16, verse six is this, this man, this angel that, uh, that these ladies bumped into said this, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. This is where all the difference is made. Jesus died on a cross, was crucified, showed up and did this amazing work while he was here on the planet. He's buried. But then here's the key is he got up, right? He rises from the dead. These ladies are blown away. Their minds are blown. The word spreads. The apostles hear about it. They, the ladies tell this group of men, this group of disciples that followed Jesus. And eventually Jesus would show himself risen from the dead 
to Peter and to John, to many others. At, at one point, there was even 500 people at once that Jesus would reveal himself to. The fact that the guy said he was God, rose from the dead, beat death, is now the peace that makes all the difference. It's the peace that truly unlocks our lives. This resurrection, this fact that Jesus rose from the dead is the difference maker. We start to think about our faith. It all truly hinges on that. Because if Jesus doesn't get up from the dead, he's just, he's just a crazy cult leader. He's just another man, just another teacher that said, said crazy things. There's plenty of people that have come and gone who claim to be God and died and they're buried somewhere. Not Jesus. And the fact that he rose from the dead changed everything. I was thinking about it this week and it, it reminds me of uh, this lock. I brought this lock, a master lock. And I'm thinking about our lives a little bit. This is a lot how we think about life. When I think about my life and my personal experience of life, uh, often throughout my life, I have been searching to get life to unlock for me. I've wanted really badly, right, to understand what is, what is the purpose to this thing? Where, where's the power? Where's the hope? Where do I like figure it out and find life? And it is, it is locked up for me over and over and over. I think we can all kind of experience and think of life on that level, that, that we're looking for something and we're looking for life to get unlocked for us. And over and over and over, we try to pull it open and it just doesn't happen. And, and we might think of all of our different attempts, maybe as different keys that we might use to unlock life, right? To try to get to the power and the purpose and the peace, and, and what about God? And am I able to know him? All that, all that stuff that we kind of feel and think about and chase a little bit, and it's, it's what drives us to do a lot of what we do. And, and we use different keys to try to unlock it. At least this is true for me, right? When I, as a young man growing up with no faith, I basically tried to use the keys of my culture to get this thing to unlock. And this starts young. You know, so, so what do you do? You, you try to get into the right friend group. Try that key. Well, that doesn't work, right? That's, that's not really what I'm looking for. You, you try to get the, the right set of followers and, and get the right set of people to acknowledge you. That's not enough, right? That, that doesn't unlock it. I, I try to find the right, right amount of trophies and the right wins, the right GPA, and that's not going to open it, All right? Nobody actually thinks that. And then, then maybe I think to myself, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm going to rebel against the system. That's going to work, right? F forget, forget what everybody else said. I'm just going to go my own way and I'm going to start living for myself and, and maybe that'll unlock it for me. It doesn't work. And, and then we think, well, maybe if I just, maybe if I really live the way that everybody else lives who's rich and famous, right? Like maybe I'm going to become that person, and right, that doesn't fit at all because I never actually get there. I never get to try that one, right? And so then we realize, nope, that's not going to unlock it either. And we live a little bit longer and we try to get into the right school. We, we try, to, try to find the right spouse, the right boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife. None of it does it. 
go a little bit longer and we try to have, right, we have kids and we think maybe that'll do it. Maybe once I have a family, maybe once I, I got it, maybe once I live the American dream and have 2.2 kids and a white picket fence and a dog and a mortgage and have a solid middle-class lifestyle, right? Isn't that going to be the case? Won't that, won't that unlock it for me? And all of us know that none of that's true. Right? And along the way, as we're trying out the keys of our culture, we're also trying out maybe different keys of, of faith that we have been exposed to. So, some of us grew up in church and we were told, man, if you just try to be a, a cleaned up kid, don't smoke, don't drink, uh, don't wear those certain kind of clothes, uh, don't listen to non-Christian music, right? And if you just don't do the stuff that we tell you not to do, right? We, we, we think that's going to unlock it for us. And that's maybe what the Christian faith is all about. And I'm going to find what I'm looking for if I do that stuff. And we try it out and none of it unlocks. It's not really where the key is found. Some of us said, you know what, for, forget it. I, I'm just going to try to be a good person. I'm, I'm going to go down that road. I'm going to try to just live a moral, solid life. Right? I'm going give, to give money to people that need food. I'm trying to be a good neighbor. And I'm just going to try to be a good person, you know, and, uh, and, and love people, you know, and just, just try to be good. But I, I don't actually find what I'm looking for. That's a good thing. Nothing wrong with that. It's not actually the key that I'm actually searching for. And we'll try over and over again. And some, sometimes we'll use the same key over and over. Try it again. Maybe I just didn't turn it hard enough. Maybe I wasn't enough to do it. Maybe if I would have been more, I, I could have made it happen. And we'll, sometimes we'll look up and we'll lean into God and say, man, if, maybe if I'm somebody who just believes in God, maybe that's enough for me to unlock this thing. You know, because isn't it true that all, right, all God, all paths lead to God and it's all kind of the same thing in that religious world. And I try that and that's, that's not it. Over and over, I try different keys until I'm completely exhausted and frustrated. And all I want is for the lock to open. Man, where do I get the power and the peace and the purpose that, that life is supposed to have? And, and, and can I have a relationship with God? And what am I made for? And what's it all about? And, and I'll run out of steam. Until finally one day, uh, maybe we kind of stumble upon it searching, looking, trying all kinds of different things. And one day we, we actually come to the key that unlocks life and purpose and power, right? Kind of passion in our lives. But here's the thing. When I find this key, and this, this key that's going to unlock this is the resurrected Jesus Christ. It's not just Jesus. It's not just Jesus is a good person or a great teacher. Anybody who claims to be God and isn't certainly can't just be a good teacher. That person's either crazy or they're out to get me and they're, they're trying to swindle people, but they're certainly not good. If I recognize that this key 
is the resurrected Jesus. It's the resurrection of Christ. The fact that God came to the planet, lived innocently, died, was buried and rose from the dead. And that resurrection and my belief in it is the key to making that all happen. I finally discover it. And here's the thing. To just acknowledge the key, to just, to just make mental assent to it and to say, yeah, I believe Jesus came and he died, rose again. Th that's not enough to just identify it. It's not enough just to, just to have kind of an idea or a thought that that might be true. What I'm looking for isn't unlocked until I actually take the key and by faith use it. I actually have to put it into practice. Believe that Jesus died for me. Believe that he rose again and beat death for me. That he paid for my sin. That he is God. And that, that that's going to be the, and I believe that's the only way that my life is going to make sense. And until I put my faith in that and turn that key, life will remain locked. When I unlock it, when I say yes to Jesus, all of a sudden, now a relationship with God is open to me. The purpose for which I am born is open to me. I can find it now. The peace that surpasses understanding is open to me. All of those things that, that I'm longing for, and I would argue because I'm created for it. I'm created to know God. I'm created for a purpose and for a reason. It's all the stuff that, that it's in us and we're looking for it and we're longing for it and we're struggling to find it until I actually engage the key by faith, put it into practice and say, this is it. This is the one that lock will remain closed to me. Man, but when I turn it, all of a sudden, the resurrection, my belief in it, my hope, when I say this is my only hope, all of a sudden, this is where I can find what it is I'm actually looking for. Jesus said it this way, actually before he even went to the grave, went to the cross, in, in Mark, or excuse me, in John chapter 11, here's what he said. Jesus said to a lady he was talking to, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. He says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? And the, the one who believes in me, the one that actually says, this is the key and I'm going to let this key take up the space. I'm going to abandon the rest of the keys. I'm all in on this. That person's going to live. They're going to find life. And, and no matter what life brings to them, even if they lose their life, they're still going to have it. Even if they die, they're still going to live. Why? Because when, when someone has acknowledged Jesus as Savior, that, that he is the resurrected king that came to pay for and to buy back my life from sin and from hell and from death. When I say yes to that, 
My life and my soul is secure in heaven. What's unlocked to me is in eternity with God. And as we already said, the, the purpose and the passion is now open to me and I can see it and I can find it. All the things that I've been longing for and looking for in life. Now, it certainly doesn't mean that life is going to be perfect or easy. Jesus would have promised that otherwise. And even Jesus's life himself wasn't perfect. But this is where hope is found. This is why we can go through unbelievably difficult times with hope. The people of God and the church of God can go through a pandemic with hope. Why? Because I know where I'm going. I know the God of the universe. I know why I'm on the planet. And that hope, that key that's unlocked life for me can never be taken and can never be shaken. He is our hope. That's why we can make it through unbelievable difficulty. It's why the church has lasted 2,000 years since Jesus left the planet. His followers have persevered and have thrived. How and why? All because they've all gone back to the same source over and over. The resurrection of Jesus, the key, Easter over and over, the people of God have landed there because we all know that's where the good stuff is. That's where the power is. It's where we're going to find it and we need it. I need it. You need it. Uh, if you're a person of faith, you need it. If you're not yet a person of faith, you're, you're looking for it. All of us are looking for more power than we can possibly muster up on our own. Right? It's why we're trying to get the thing unlocked because I'm out of answers myself. I'm chasing something. Look at this amazing passage that the Apostle Paul says here in Ephesians chapter one, talking about the resurrection. He says, his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked and only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Paul says, listen, that the power that's available to those of us who believe, it's the same. It's the same as the power that was used to raise Jesus from the dead. This is why we can look and say, God, how are you going to get me through this? How are you going to provide for me? How are you going to sustain me? How are you going to protect me? How can I know that I can trust you to be the one and only key? You're telling me that I shouldn't just rely on myself or keep trying other keys or keep running back to a different solution. You should, I should just exclusively run to you and say, I'm putting all, all of my stock in this one. Why? Because his power, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is available. It's real. It exists. How do I know? Because Jesus got up from the grave. If Jesus can get up from the grave, God can raise him from death to life. Certainly 
He can provide for me. Certainly, He can change me from the inside out. Certainly, He can help me to stay strong through addiction. Certainly, He he has the power to restore my marriage. Certainly, I can find the kind of hope and life and passion that I'm looking for. Not an easy life. Not even always a simple life. But a life that is lived by its design. By the one that has created us. It's what I'm actually looking for, for the the satisfaction of my soul. See, here's the thing. I realize that, that we might be here from all different places and we're hearing this conversation from a different lens today, maybe than someone else. And you might be hearing this conversation and you're saying, Ryan, to me, life is still all locked up. I'm searching right now. I'm looking. I'm ready to go try another key. I hear you. You're making sense to me. And listen, this is exhausting. I did this. I lived this. I tried over and over achievement, get into the right friend group, make some money, right? Hang out, be with, be with girls, party, you name it. I'm going to try every key I can think of and think maybe this is the one that will unlock it. Self-help, religion. And, and you're there and you're locked up and you're scared to believe maybe, maybe this really could be the key. Maybe this really is what I'm looking for, but I'm scared to hope because I've been let down and hurt so many times. Hear me. This is the one. This is the one. You will find what you're looking for. Your life will be changed. You will be altered. And you're going to know the God that loves you and created you and had so much passion for you that he put his own son here on the earth in a, in a dirty and sinful place to be, to be crucified. Why? All for the mission of saving me and you. And if you've never done that, if you've never recognized that's who God is, he's not mad at you. He doesn't want to get rid of you. He's not frustrated with you. He's also not found by some other key. He's longing for you to know that there's a way. There's a way to unlock this and he longs for you to find it. If you've never said yes to Jesus before, there's literally nothing I could tell you that's more important. He's eager to forgive you for your sin, just like he did me. He'll forgive you for everything you've ever done. And he'll include you into the family of God. All that guilt and all that shame, it's all erased. By by simply reaching out and saying, Jesus, would you forgive me? Sorry for what I've done. I need the power that rose you from the dead. I need that power in my life. I want to follow you. 
I want in on this. I, I'm all in. I believe this is the key. I'm going to abandon all the rest. I'm all in on this one. By saying yes to Christ, your soul will be permanently in the presence of God. He, he's going to permanently transfer your future to heaven and you will know God. You'll know him and you'll know what you're made for. As you learn about him more and more in his word and get connected to his church, this will unlock more and more over time. But it starts here. A conscious choice to say, this is the key and I'm landing here. Never done that before. I encourage you to take that step or at least investigate it. At least look at it. Take the first move to say, maybe this key that I've been looking for, it's been here the whole time. And for the rest of us, while we may be followers of Jesus and be people of faith, and we, you may say, oh yeah, Ryan, I did that a long time ago, man. Yeah, when I was a kid, I, I said yes to Christ and I believe in the resurrection, I'm in. But here's the thing, I can say yes to Christ and then live as if I, I for, kind of forgot where this key goes. And life can get relocked to me. And, he, and, and here's the thing, I have to do this and you have to do this over and over. When life feels overwhelming, when, when life feels scary, when, when life is too much for me to handle, when life is overflowing with goodness over and over and over, I want to come back to the same key over and over and over again. It's not a one and done. I want to come back and say that the, the resurrection, the, the risen Christ is my hope, not just once to, to keep me out of hell. It's every day to help me live life with God. And I want to land there. This is Easter. Right? This is Easter. This is Easter for all of us whether I'm unlocking it for the first time or for the 500th time, I come back to the same place over and over and over again. Jesus, you're my only hope. Your resurrection proved you to be God. I believe it not just in a, a mental ascent, I believe it with my whole life. And when it comes to trying to find the answers and the power and the hope of life, this is going to be the key I'm going to use. I'm not going to run to the other ones. I'm not going to keep trying. I'm all in. Jesus, your life, your death, your burial, your resurrection, you are my hope. Wherever we are, can we land there today? Saying, Jesus, thank you for loving me enough to come to my rescue, to be my savior, to rise again. Would you pray with me? Father, we, we will never be able to fully thank you for the sacrifice that you've given us in your son. What a gift, Lord that you would love us enough to send Christ here on, on a rescue mission for us to make your power available in our lives, to give us hope in the midst of difficulty. 
to teach us about who you are and show us what life is about. Lord, we, we just cannot say thank you enough. Lord, thank you that that our lives and our hearts and our minds and our anguish mattered enough to you that you would send Jesus to our rescue. Would you help us with this, Lord? Help us to believe. Help us to have faith that puts it into practice and leans on your resurrection, Christ. Meet us here, Lord, even now. It's in your name we pray, Christ. Amen.
Jesus, we love you. We're, we're so thankful that the words of that song are true. That no matter where we are, no matter where we've been, no matter how far away from you we feel, the, the true story that you sent your son to earth to die on the cross, to be buried, and then three days later raised from the dead. And in the process of that, make himself available to us, make himself known to us, and show us that he, he wants to have a relationship with us, he wants to be real, and he wants us to know him. And in this season, Lord, that often seems really, really hopeless, really, really dark and, and hard. That's what we need. We, we, more than ever, we realize we need you. We need the hope that you bring. We need the saving grace that you have brought to us. And because of your sacrifice on the cross, because you are alive, we have that hope in you. So wherever we're at today, whatever we're facing, we pray, Lord, that you, you draw near to us and you would help us to draw near to you. Give us a desire to know you more, maybe for the first time to understand what it means to, to follow you and accept you as our Savior. We love you. In your name we pray. All right, let's sing one more song together, huh? was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I
center, I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. Awesome. Thanks for being with us this morning. Have a happy Easter.